We spent Monday through Thursday up in Hume, California, in a beautiful lake there, relaxing. And uh, in order for that to be relaxing and for it to be a retreat, then I need to come home to a speaker so that I didn't have to bring my books and prepare and all of that. And so you, uh, uh, let me tell you about this morning's speaker. So I guess it was two Father's Day uh, ago that I got invited to Big Valley Grace Community Fellowship Church. I added an extra one. I added in a fellowship just to tease him because I always say that church has the most words in its title that I've ever. So it's Big Valley Grace Community Church. It's only five words. It's not so bad, right? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I digress, as usual. I went down there to Modesto and uh, spoke on Father's Day, and the couple assigned to host Barb and I were Bobby and Michelle. He's an executive pastor there. He's been a school teacher for many, many years and a school administrator, and I guess the transition was to administrate as superintendent of big Valley Grace Community <laughs> Church School, Christian school, right? And it's pretty big. Their church is very large, and the school is large as well. And so you were the superintendent, and then you became a pastor on staff there. You do uh, a lot, as all pastors do, share the load there. But we really enjoyed. They've been up for the weekend. And uh, when I was down there and they were hosting us, uh, we went out to dinner, and I said, I'd love to return the favor and host you guys as well. And so guess what? That favor is today. <laughs> and so welcome uh, with me, Pastor Bobby. All right, buddy. It was a real pleasure to be able to uh, host Barb while they were in Modesto. <laughs> and it's just really, really, and it's really good to see Ross again too. So, uh, I do have the honor of serving on staff at Big Valley Grace Community Church in Modesto. And uh, it's interesting why we've been here, my wife Michelle and I. We have met quite a few people who say they used to live in the Modesto area. Uh, we've never met anybody in Modesto who says they used to live in the Santa Rosa area. <laughs> Just interesting. Uh, you could draw your own conclusion. Uh, but it is, it is a joy to be with you. And uh, Pastor Ross did speak to our church uh, two Father's Days ago. And uh, I just want you to know you are very blessed. Amen. Very blessed. Uh, and what's interesting is just... Uh, <laughs> what's interesting is uh, when, you, when you hear a senior pastor preach and you get to spend a little bit of time with them, you kind of get a little sense of his church as well. And uh, their graciousness and their hospitality and their love for people was undeniable. 
And so it's really an honor to be uh, with you this morning. And uh, if you would take your Bibles and turn to John 15, that's going to be uh, the text um, that I'm using uh, this morning. Uh, and I will uh, tell you, uh, my wife and I, uh, we do have four kids, ages 12 and 11 and 9 and 5, and uh, a dog. And so we had to find five different homes uh, to be here this weekend. And it's been so great that uh, we texted everybody saying we might be another week. Uh, <laughs> we haven't heard back from any of them yet, but uh, it'd be great if we could see you guys next weekend too. So uh, as you're turning to John 15, I wanted to give you a, a brief background for what we will be uh, reading. And John 15 is uh, probably a pretty familiar passage to you. It's one of the message messages that Christ gave in route, going from the upper room to the Garden of Gethsemane. And in that it was the Passover season, they would have been traveling under a bright full moon, and they would have seen the huge temple during their walk. Why don't you just imagine that for a moment? It's interesting to imagine that maybe, just maybe, just seeing the huge vine-engraved doors on the temple gave Christ the setting for what he's going to teach in this passage. So if you can, just put yourself there as I read the words of our Lord. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And so I'm going to share with you a, a goal for this morning. And this goal is really a, a summary of this passage and so the goal of this morning is that you would see how you can bear much fruit and experience complete joy, all for the glory of God. And that's found in a, in a few different verses, that goal. Verse 5, if a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. So that should be one of the goals. Verse 11, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. It's an interesting thought, complete joy. 
We're going to look at what complete joy might look like. Verse 8, this is to my Father's glory. So to bear much fruit, to experience complete joy, all for the glory of God. Now that sounds good. And it'd be nice if we could just say, you know what, let's go have barbecue and we're good to go. By the way, it is a challenge to be the one thing that's separating you between tri-tip. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just, I'm feeling a little pressure. <laughs> uh, now, I want to talk this morning a little bit how that plays out in real life, because that's what we're living. And I just want to give you a little picture of uh, my last couple weeks and some uh, people that I've had the honor to pray with. This is just real life. Real life uh, was getting to pray with a man who uh, literally just found out that his wife left him having an affair with another man. Uh, uh, a woman who recently discovered that uh, she's been abusing alcohol just to deal with the physical pain of life. An elder of our church whose dad, young guy, dad, just massive heart attack in the middle of the night. No health issues, boom, just lost him. A parent whose child is struggling in school and they're at their wit's end. They don't know what to do. They're ready to give up as parents. A young gal in her 20s that just isn't sure what to do with her life. Don't have a job, not sure what to do. Thought there'd be more than this. God, what are you asking me to do? I just, I'm uncertain. A woman in her late 30s that's just feeling like she's running out of time and she doesn't have a, a husband and she wants to be married and she's just, really discouraged right now. A couple who's struggling with just not being able to have kids, just wondering, God, where you at? A young guy who's addicted to pornography. I mean, I could go on and on and on, but this is just the last couple of weeks. It's just a representation. And the reality is, in most cases, they're not experiencing complete joy right now. And unfortunately, one of the byproducts of not experiencing complete joy often is we put ourselves on the sideline and we're not bearing a whole lot of fruit because we're focused on these places of, of pain and suffering and discouragement. What's going on in your life right now? What's something that you go, I think, I think this is just a place that I'm just, I'm not experiencing complete joy. I'm not bearing the kind of fruit that I think God wants me to bear. So how do you have complete joy in these types of situations? And even in the good times, you may be going, hey, I'm in a great place right now. Things are great. And sometimes those are the places in my life that make me the most, ner the most nervous. Because it's when things are just going great, I start to rely on my own self. I get content. And I settle for things that are less than complete joy. Or I settle for less than the good fruit that God wants to produce in me. Because everything's going great. How do we not be deceived and settle for something less than the good fruit that God wants to bear in us? So this morning we're going to, uh, we're going to focus on that goal. Experiencing complete joy, bearing good fruit all for the glory of God. And we're going to do that by looking at four main things. And these are four roles 
that I think we need to recognize in order to reach the goal. Role number one, we must identify the role of the gardener. And we have to recognize his work. Not just identify his role, but recognize what he's doing and be open to what he wants to do in this moment in our lives. Verse one says, my father is the gardener. Okay, right at the gate. We know who the gardener is. God the father. His job is to cultivate and protect the vine, who is Jesus. He tends and expects the word of God inspects our lives. I want you to think about that for a minute. God, as the gardener, through his word, wants to inspect. He wants to inspect his garden. See if there's anything that he can do to help bear greater fruit in your life, in my life. Verse 2, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You see, the gardener desires fruit. It's mentioned eight times in chapter 15. You think he's trying to get a message across? And there's a progression of the fruit. I want you to see this here in verse two. It's from no fruit to fruit to more fruit. And then in verse five and eight to much fruit. I don't know where you're at in your life right now, but obviously God wants us on this progression that we would continue to grow more and more fruit so that it could be said of us that we are bearing much fruit. Now the gardener is the one who knows how to treat the vine and the branches for the purpose of producing the most fruit. We need to pay attention to what the gardener wants for our lives. Now, in some vineyards, uh, it's not uncommon for branches to become so heavy that they sag to the ground. And when, it, when, a, when a vine sags to the ground, it's vulnerable. It's vulnerable to, to mud and to insects and disease. And so consequently, the farmer, seeing the branch in the mud, will lift it up and oftentimes brace it. And if there's fruit on that vine... He'll wash the mud off and he'll care for it in a tender manner. So I think it's important that we understand that God as the gardener is not someone just coming up with a bunch of, you know, hacksaw, just wanting to cut off anything that's not good. Like somehow he's a, he's a tyrant. He's an angry tyrant. The picture here of God as the gardener in these, with these vines, he's very tender He's going to prune, and he's going to, he's going to cut, and he's going to lift up, and he's going to care, wash off those places that aren't clean. Imagine the delicate hands of the gardener. Now, the question I have for you is, am I okay? Are you okay with God pruning you? Am I okay with God messing with what I think is a good thing? It's easy to say, okay, the, I get it. God's role is the gardener, but stay away from me. Maybe go to another vineyard. <laughs> or it could be God's done some pruning in your life. And now you're going, I'm good. I'm good. I'm done with that. I've allowed God to prune me, and now I'm good. 
And yet, what God may God be trying to do today? If we want to bear much fruit and experience complete joy, all for the glory of God, we must identify the role of the gardener and recognize and submit to his work. Number two, we must identify the role of the vine and tap into his power. Verse one says, I am the true vine. And I love the fact that the word true is put in there. There's a lot of vines, but only one true vine. You see, God longed for fruit. But the vine, in this case Israel, became degenerate and produced rotten fruit. And Jesus, as the true vine, fulfills what God had intended for Israel. Verse 4, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. That's not a lot. (laughs) And this is the thing. I've got a problem with that statement. Nothing. God, do you know what I'm doing? I'm doing good things. You may think you're producing fruit, doing great things for the Lord. But the truth says, if what you are doing is done apart from the power of Jesus Christ, then it is seen as God as nothing. Let me tell you, being a a pastor, this is a particularly struggling area. Okay? Being a pastor will do weird things to you. Ross is a great example of that. Okay? (laughs) There's not another service after this. I'm, I'm going for it, brother. <laughs> when I, um, I mentioned that I was in, uh, or Ross mentioned that I was in public education for 14 years, both as a teacher and administrator, and then becoming a pastor, really interesting, because you just imagine, I imagine, you're just doing great things for the Lord every day, all day long. And what's really challenging is the message that I know of I heard from the Lord is, look, you got to abide in me. I've got things I want you to do, not for your own glory, but pride, man, pride is a dangerous thing. Wanting to control what's done, wanting to please people. And it's really uh, dangerous, at least in my life it has been to give the appearance of uh, there's a lot of things that I'm doing that may look really, really great. And yet are they the things that God has called me to do? So how do we bear fruit that is a part of Jesus? And how is much fruit produced? Well, the word says by abiding, not struggling or striving, just abiding. And how? By the word. We're made clean by the word. Verse 3 says, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So how do we bear more fruit? By being in the word. And not just reading the word, but doing what it says. 
See, Jesus is the life source. He is the sustaining life source, this life that we have to bring glory to God with. It all comes from Jesus Christ. Look what Christ has accomplished on our behalf. Without the finished work of the cross, we have no life. His last words on the cross, it is finished. He's done the work. He's done it all. And our job is to tap into his power. If we want to bear much fruit and experience in complete joy, all for the glory of God, we must identify the role of the vine and tap into his power. Now, number three. Number three, we must identify the role of the thieves of joy and avoid them. Now, you don't see specifically mentioned the thieves of joy uh, in this. And yet we do know we're in a war. And God's word tells us we are not in a war that is against flesh and blood, but we are in a war with the spiritual demonic forces. Let's not fool ourselves for one minute to, to not stand guard and to recognize there are forces that are working against you that are trying to steal your joy. And verse six says, if, six says, if anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. You see, there's times that the wood of the vine gets soft due to inactivity. It is good for nothing but kindling to be burned, the text says. So we are either bearing fruit or we're just burning up the clock, just going through life, wasting time. So I want to take a look this morning at what some of those joy thieves might be. I want to start with potentially conflict in our marriage. I want you to think for those of you that are married for a minute, how much energy and time does it go into having conflict in your marriage? I mean, it can just suck the life out of you. When you're so focused on what your spouse is or isn't doing. We've got 20-20 vision, don't we, sometimes? Like my wife somehow needs me to point out the things that aren't great. Oh, what a gift I am to her when I do that. Wow, what a gift. <laughs> and yet think about in our marriage sometimes how um, the places where we're not honoring the Lord and loving our spouses the way he calls us to love our spouses, how that can then rob our joy or get our attention focused away from being able to bear the good fruit that God wants to bear. Maybe our jobs. Man, we go in day in and day out just, some of us just, man, we hate our jobs. Just doing it to get a paycheck. Man, wish is there anything else we could believe or anything else we could do. I'll tell you what, to an unbeliever, what a great witness that is. <laughs> Once you think about the joy, maybe you're an employer. Do you have joy in being an employer? An employee, maybe, do you have joy being an employee? What about at home, just with your kids? Are you a parent that just is just struggling with joy? Because man, being a parent's hard. It's hard work. And sometimes your kids go sideways. 
And guess what, parents? Sometimes you go sideways. And sometimes just the, the stuff of life, the, we got to pay bills and we got to clean the house and we got to get kids. I mean, we've, my wife and I have tried to figure out how do you get four kids in four places when there's two of us? The math doesn't work out well. What about an individual who's ex- not experiencing joy because of a health issue? Some of you, I, I would suspect, either you or somebody you love closely, you've got a significant health issue dealing with. And how easy is it to make that your focus? How easy is it to have a health issue rob you from the complete joy that God promises? Or somehow for you to think that's going to sideline you from being able to bear great fruit. See, the interesting thing about some of these uh, thieves of joy, um, they don't all have to be bad things. It's amazing how God just may be wanting to do a new thing in your life. Isn't it crazy to think about what God, God knows what's coming. God knows what's planned for you. Are we willing to trust and submit to his will and his plan? But sometimes the thieves of joy are just what the Bible calls sin. Looking for joy and numbing agents, I call them. Just things where you just want to numb the pain. You just want to escape. Could be uh, alcohol abuse, drugs, work. That's a crazy one. Because the thing, most places, you work and you work and you work and you work where you work and you work and you overwork and you ignore your family and you just work, 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 work. You get an award at the end of the month. The world says, keep working. You're the employee of the month. You can climb the ladder. You can make more money. You may lose your family in the meantime, but we're going to give you an award for overworking. What about Relationships. Just toxic relationships. Possessions. Sleep. I just sleep because it makes my problems go away for an hour or two. Prescription drugs. Television. Pornography. The list could go on and on. I want to give you an example for a minute. I, uh, coming from uh, Modesto... Beautiful town. Just want you to know. Some of you heard from my senior pastor. You might have a little different view, but uh, I was just kidding. We don't have many vine trees. Vine trees. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> oh, I'm not done yet. Yeah. We don't have many grapevines, in fact, but I have seen them before, and I brought up last uh, service that uh, I'm not even sure what, they good, what they're good for, and I was, I was told that uh, they're good for raisins. I mean, isn't that fantastic? <laughs> but what we do have is almond trees. Lots of almond trees. In fact, this is harvest season right now. It's nice to escape to be able to breathe for a couple days. There's dust everywhere. And the interesting thing about almond trees, I've got many friends who own almond trees, and there's one in particular who, uh, who told me a story about some pruning that he had done in his, his almond orchard. 
and uh, he had a bunch of sticks, okay, pruned and pruned and pruned, and there were just a bunch of sticks there. And uh, the next day, he came out, and one of the sticks had blossomed. And it was really kind of unusual. Now, the interesting thing about that blossom, that can be really deceiving. Okay? In, in, in Modesto, there's a season of the year called the, um, when, when all, everything blossoms. I mean, it's unbelievably beautiful. And people rush out and they take pictures. I mean, that, uh, there, it's a great season for photography and, and people love to go stand in them and look at them. In fact, we've got an almond blossom festival because the, the blossoms are beautiful. But this is the interesting thing about, I wanted you to think about that branch. It had been cut and it's sitting there, but there was blossoms. Well, one thing that's true about that, it won't blossom again next year. This is the other thing. There will never be an almond on that branch. There will never be fruit. There might be places in my life, in your life, that there might be a flower for a moment, but there's not any fruit. See, when, as I mentioned, when, when, when flowers show up, people come out to take pictures because people get really excited about the flowers. But it's not about the flowers. It's about the fruit. People can be deceived and drawn to the flower. We can be deceived and, and even impress ourselves with the flowers in our life. It looks good. We're working hard to look good in front of people. And things may look good for a season. But it's God who looks at the fruit. God is attracted to the fruit. It's the fruit that matters. They may not have a festival for the almonds. The, the, the world may be attracted to the blossoms, but God is attracted to the fruit. And we need to be careful in our own lives. Where have we settled? Where are there things that may look good? And yet it's not the fruit that God's trying to produce. And if we want to bear much fruit and experience complete joy, all for the glory of God, we must identify the role of the thieves and avoid them. And the reality is, in this life, we're not always going to be able to avoid them. And so when you find yourself in a place where you're being robbed, the thieves of joy have gotten to you, what a great place to confess that, to come to the Lord, and to tap back into his power. Now, fourth and finally, we must identify our role. And not just identify the role, but we got to do our role. We've got a part in this. God's got his part. He's the gardener. Jesus got his part. He's the vine. Our role, we're the branches. Our goal is to bear fruit. Verse 4 says, remain in me and I will remain in you. Verse 7 says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you. Verse 9 says, now remain in my love. Verse 10, if you obey my commands. The message is quite simple for our role. Remain, 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 and obey. That's pretty simple, right? We're to abide in him, to be a conduit of his love, 
I'm to abide in his word. I'm to abide in his love. We're to be a conduit of the Father's love. Verse 10 tells us the importance of obeying Scripture, obeying the Father's commands, how to remain in his love. We must align our will to the Father's. It's a yes, Dad moment. Okay, in my home, we, we, since the kids were young, when we ask him to do something, we, we've taught him, respond with, yes, Dad. Yes, Mom. Sounds really good, right? <laughs> and it's worked out like this. Okay, I'm going to tell you to do something. And this is what I want you to reply back with. Yes, Dad. Okay. Hey, I want you to go clean your room. Yes, Dad. Okay, but no, I, I want you to go do it now. <laughs> like, oh, yes, Dad. Yes, Dad. And then halfway to the room, they, you know, they got lost and they went somewhere else and... Okay, okay, come here, come here. Okay, mom's going to ask you to do something. Mom's going to ask you to, you know, pick up your clothes. And you're going to say, yes, mom. Okay, I want you to pick up your clothes. Yes, mom. <laughs> Did I do it right? Okay, now we want you to actually, like, do it now. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And what's interesting is, I mean, for years, we've got four kids. For years and years and years, we're still working on it. As parents, yes, dad. Yes, mom. See, we didn't have to teach our kids how to have their own will. <laughs> and how to have their own strong will. We didn't teach them that. What's interesting about their sinful nature, the one we all have, is there's the Father's will and there's our will. And they come at it like this constantly. And so as the parents of kids, our job is to keep going, okay. This is what I want you to do. Yes, Dad. Okay. This is what I want you to do it. And day after day, week after week, sometimes they get it. And then sometimes they don't. Kind of sounds like us, doesn't it? The Father's will is crystal clear. Our job is to say, yes, Dad. And then go do it. And then when we veer off, man, our loving Heavenly Father says, okay. You're getting somewhere. You can do it. Let me redirect you. This is how I want you to do it. What happens if we remain and obey? This is awesome. This is super exciting. Verse seven says, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. Okay, this verse is a really interesting verse that can dangerously be taken completely out of whack to just go, oh, ask what you want and it'll be given to you. Well, when you look in the context of the passage, it's saying when you're perfectly aligned with God's will, ask for whatever you wish because you'll be asking God's will. How do you ask God's will? Right here. Have you ever, have you ever actually prayed scripture? This is the thing. You pray what's in here and God says, I'm going to give that to you. If you want to align with God's will and know what God's will is for your life, you better remain, 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 and obey. He hasn't made it difficult to know what his will is as it relates to this book. Now, obviously, there's a lot of things that may be my will. Man, I ask for things all the time. I'm good at it. I'm a really good asker. God, would you do this? Would you do this? Would you do this? Would you do this? And sometimes God says no. 
Because obviously I haven't asked for his will in that area. And that's hard because then I have to be able to go, God, your will may be better than my will. Your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are greater than my thoughts. So it could just be that God, the father, the gardener knows more than this branch. And am I willing to trust in him, submit to him so that I have complete joy that might be different than the joy that I'm longing for. It might be less than what I think complete joy looks like. It might be different fruit than I planned on bearing. It might be something that literally is going to blow my mind, but I can't see it because I'm focused on my will. So what might good fruit look like? How do you know? How do you know what good fruit looks like? Well, I can at least give you some examples. Good fruit looks like daily time in the word and in prayer. I want you to think about that for a minute. Just think about where you are in your own life right now. Is your life characterized, remember our role, abide, 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 and obey. You look at your 168 hour week, how much time are you spending abiding in his word and in prayer? That's what good fruit looks like. It's easy to, to come together. Man, we sing some beautiful worship songs today. Beautiful. And this group right here, you guys were singing with passion. What would it look like if our lives reflected that kind of passion, that kind of worship throughout the rest of the week? That should be our goal. What else does fruit look like? I'll tell you, faithfully attending a church gathering like this one. Faithfully, not when I can, every now and then, when I got nothing else going on, when the Giants are having a horrible season. <laughs> I'm a Dodger fan, so strike three. So I'm in recovery. So <laughs> what about being baptized? God's word is really, really clear. For followers of Jesus Christ, we're to repent and be baptized. That might be your next step. That might be your next place of bearing great fruit is to be able to publicly profess your faith by being baptized. Serving. Do you have any place to serve? Man, this is a great church. And one of the things about serving sometimes is we think, I don't have anything to offer. Or, man, my, my life's too messed up to serve right now. We allow the thieves of joy to convince us that we can't be serving right now because of this, 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 and this. What about giving? Regular, sacrificial giving with joy. You know, one of the super interesting things about church and giving to me is, is, uh, it's amazing. I, I can just sing about all the wonderful mercies of the Lord, and I love it, and I love worshiping, and I love it, I love it, I love it. And then there's a moment where I have an opportunity to worship through giving. It's like, whoa, whoa. I really enjoyed singing about it, but that's different. 
I love the challenge that scripture gives to give because it does this. It causes my clenched fists to go, man, when I recognize the finished work of the cross, when I really understand everything I've been given, it's from him. My job's to be a good money manager. And what does God say to do with our money? He says, use some of it to give back, to be generous so that God's work can continue to do, uh, be done here. What about being in a Bible study? I read through your guys' website and, and your bulletin. Man, you've got things for men's and women's and young adults, young at heart, young marrieds, home fellowship. That's, a, that's a, a little piece of what I saw. And you know what's interesting? I share with some people that I pray with, and um, one of the first things I ask, I usually ask two questions when somebody's kind of, sharing about the hardships of life and they need prayer and, and those kind of things. And one of the things I ask is, are you in the word? Unfortunately, all too often, the answer to that is no. I'm in crisis. Things aren't going right. My life's a wreck, but I'm not in the word. And the second thing I ask is, are you in any kind of community? Are you in a small group? Are you in a Bible study? How easy is it to come to a big gathering like this and, you know, get to know people for 5, 10, 15 minutes, and that's beautiful. But then it's really easy to slide back out and not do life with one another in a way that God can sharpen iron with iron and say, look, let me tell you about how my week's going. Let me tell you how my life's going. I'm not going to put on a mask with you. I'm going to go ahead and let you in a little bit and allow God to do some work through that. I want to encourage you, if there's nothing that you are doing to be in community, that you would consider being in community. And last but not least, investing some of your time, your talent, your treasure in, in missions. And, and, and yeah, I'm talking about global missions. I'm talking about local missions. But I'm also talking about the missionary field called your neighborhood. This is the thing. There, there's empty seats. There's not a lot of them in here, but there shouldn't be an empty seat because there's people dying and going to hell. They need to hear the message, the hope of Jesus Christ. And you, when you are living in complete joy and you're bearing great fruit, guess what? That's something the world doesn't have an answer for. And they're desperately wanting to know what is different about you. When you're living a life of complete joy and you're bearing great fruit, what a testimony you are. People are going to ask, what's different about you? You've got a great hope to share. Don't hesitate to share it. And God's given you a neighborhood. He's given you a male person. He's given you coworkers. He's given you people that are just coming across your path left and right. Opportunities that God's going, this is an opportunity to share. But are you willing to invest in that opportunity? Don't settle for incomplete joy. Don't settle for just some fruit. Don't settle for just fruit that's okay. God wants to produce great fruit, much fruit, and give you complete joy. And if you want to bear that fruit and experience that joy, all for his glory, you must identify your role and be willing to do it. Now, the goal this morning... Which, by the way, whenever you're a 
guest speaker, preacher in somebody else's church, number one goal is you always want to end shorter than the regular guy does. <laughs> and I just want you to know that's going to be really easy to do, brother. That is, you have just set me up. Well, I, I might just stall just so uh, time can go and go. I'm just kidding. The goal, as I shared at the beginning, is that we would bear much fruit and experience in complete joy, all for the glory of God, not for our glory, all for the glory of God. In John 15, 1 through 11, Jesus is speaking about life transformation. He's speaking about joy, and not just any joy, complete joy. A husband or a wife who's experiencing complete joy in their marriage, even when the difficulties come, and they'll come. An employee or an employer who's experiencing complete joy, even in their workplace, even when things aren't going your way. A parent or a child who is experiencing complete joy at home, even when one of you goes sideways. An individual who's experiencing joy despite a current health issue, either their own or somebody they love. A holy life that honors the Lord and clings to him rather than something to temporarily numb the pain. I want you to imagine. Imagine what God wants to do in you and through you. And our job is to remain and obey. Now my prayer for Calvary Chapel, The Rock, Santa Rosa. <laughs> Six words. Just saying. Uh. <laughs> It's a lot of words, my friend. Just saying. <laughs> Means we're going to change our name next week. <laughs> my prayer for the rock is that you may bear much fruit, that you would experience complete joy, and that would be all for the glory of God because he's worth it. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, uh, I'm, I'm just in awe of your love. The gardener. Unlike any great gardener, you care for us so much that you are willing to prune where necessary. You're willing to clean, clean off what we've gotten dirty. You forgive our sin. And Father, I just pray that this morning that as your word to the power of your Holy Spirit just continues to teach us and mold us, Father, would you just help us understand where are those places where we've settled for less than complete joy? Not the world's version of joy, but your version. Where we've settled for something less than, than much fruit. Father, would today be the day that you would help us to, to understand what those next steps would be, that we would just focus on abiding and abiding and abiding and obeying. And what our life song this week, be yes to
dad, knowing that we're going to blow it and you're going to be there to help us get back on track. But in all that we do and all that we say, that the people that we come in contact would see that we are saying, yes, dad. And would that be an attractive fruit? Much more than a blossom that's temporary, but be fruit that's going to come back again and again and again until you take us home. And Father, we give you the honor, we give you the glory, and we give you the praise. It's in the name of Jesus Christ I pray. Amen. I can't think of a better message than that for these days in which we live. Simple, concise, nurturing. Wow, man. Remain, 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 obey. I could do that. The help of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Listen, as your pastor, I know some of you have been clipped and snipped and all kinds of pruning going on in your life. Some, some major, some minor, some just annoying, some uh, irritating, but it's the gardener doing his work. And I thought about this amazing thing. Let me share with you as we close, since we have so much time. <laughs> and by the way, it's my turn now. And <laughs> But, bro, no worries, because it says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. So we got some tri-tip for you. And that's all. <laughs> no, I mean, you know what I mean. I'm not going to come back and, you know, try to treat you as you were treating me. <laughs> Listen, that was wonderful. I was thinking, I wish I could have heard that message on the retreat. Uh, from the pastors there. That message was wonderful and really nurtured me. Thank you. So about the, the snipping and the ouch and the oh Lord, listen, most of you know part of this story. 15 years ago, I, I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. I had uh, chemotherapy six months, a month of radiation, and uh, the disease was unchecked. In other words, it, it was still there. So I had to undergo more chemotherapy and then a bone marrow transplant, and they gave me 30% odds of survival. This is 15 years ago. So I spent a month at UCSF, a month off, where I had to have surgery in between, and then a month again at UCSF. I had every side effect you could ever have from that kind of treatment. And I just sum it up to you, the separation from my family, the long ordeal, the, <laughs> the process, it was an ordeal. It pushed me to places I had never been. When I came home, I was still kind of swollen from all the treatments. I did not even recognize myself in the mirror. I had no eyebrows, no, no hair, just, just, just really worse than this. And I went to the backyard, I will never forget it. And there was this ginormous fig tree that was beautiful and lush and green. It filled half the backyard. Those things are monstrous. I came home, it was clipped down to nothing. And it was shocking, it was breathtaking. It was just so bare. 
there were two little sticks. I said, what happened to the fig tree? And she said, some guy was nice enough to come and trim it back. I said, trim it back? <laughs> you killed it. <laughs> or so it looked. And I remember standing there. Everybody was uh, quiet in the house. I just looked at the tree, just two little sticks up there. And a tear, a hot tear, went down my cheek. And I was sinking in my heart, that is me. That is my life. I don't have a job. I don't have a ministry. I don't have money. I don't have anything. And a whisper in my heart was this. Wait until you see what I'm going to do after this pruning. Eight months later, and born out of the bone marrow transplant, came the idea to plant a church. And so we planted eight months. I wasn't fully recovered. Eight months after that, I'm standing in the pulpit saying, welcome to Calvary Chapel, <laughs> Sebastopol. Only three there. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, look at the, the Lord had to do that to prepare me. I was not in a good place. I wasn't in a right place. And look at this. Talk about fruit. Talk about almonds. There's all kinds of nuts in here. <laughs> all right, I was working on that a little bit as I was sitting there. <laughs> Listen, I look out and say it was worth every single transfusion. It was worth the chemo, the radiation, the surgeries, the side effects of being separated from my family. The no money, the disability, the fear that grips your heart when you hear cancer and 30% chance to survive. And it burned up what needed to be burned up. And it took away the disease and the rot and made me ready for what he wanted to do, produce a little fruit. Now, listen to me, you who are smarting and feeling like, oh, you killed it. You're killing me, God. He's not killing you. He's helping you. He's answering your prayers. Make me a man of God. Make me the person you made me to be. And he's like, okay, let's get going. You're like, no, I didn't mean that. <laughs> yes, you did. So take heart. Look to him. Have a little faith. And I got one thing to say to you. Remain. Remain, remain, and obey. Let's pray together. Father God, we just thank you for knitting this whole thing together, God. We didn't even plan it, and it just seems to fall into place, Lord, when we're walking with you. So thank you for being a good, good father. Thank you for Bobby and Michelle. Bless them and their four little ones, Lord. And uh, just may your gracious hand be upon them. Protect them. Give them traveling mercies back to Modesto. Bless them and use them in fruitful ways down there. And thank you for the rock, the good food we're about to receive, Father. And just you've been so good to us. We, we love you. And we pray these things in Christ's name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You have been listening to The Rock Podcast. Our regular services are held on Wednesday nights at 6.30 and Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at calvarytherock.org.